powerful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. everyone to this edition of a real presence live here january 23rd 2024 from the butler building the top the third floor of the butler building my name is tim mosey your host today looking out over a decent looking fargo north dakota and speaking of decent looking we've got aaron producing hey i gotta say aaron you're better than decent looking you're a good looking guy <laughs> i got him blushing now and we also have father dale kinsler and uh father i'm gonna father dr christy cock in the house uh, we'll get to the the interview in just a second. We're talking about something very, very important with them um, about um, Catholic health care and, uh, and clergy's role, doctor's roles, our role. It's going to be a, a great time. But as you may or may not know, today is uh, January 23rd, a special feast, the Feast of the Holy Spouses. Many people may not have heard of this. Uh, Bismarck, actually, the Diocese of Bismarck, is celebrating this Feast of the Holy Spouses, which honors the marriage of Mary and Joseph. Uh, the Cathedral Knights of Columbus received permission from Bishop Kagan to celebrate the Feast Day of the Holy Spouses today. So everyone is invited to attend Mass at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time with Bishop Kagan at the Cathedral there in Bismarck. He's going to be the main celebrant. Uh, the purpose of the feast is to recognize the holy marriage of Joseph and Mary and uphold married life as a plan to holiness and a path to holiness. They'll have refreshments afterwards in the gathering space uh, after math. So again, at the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit, today, 6 p.m., Bishop Kagan will be the main celebrant of the Mass celebrating the Feast of the Holy Spouses. Everyone is invited. And as always, we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and loving God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the blessings you give us already in this year, Lord. We ask your Holy Spirit to come down upon us, Lord, upon our guests and upon all our listeners as we break open this important topic of health care, our responsibilities, what is true, what is not true, what is good, what is not good, as we discuss this. Impress this upon our hearts. We ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser. I'd like to uh, introduce... Father Dale Kinsler, and, fa- and uh, I almost did it again. I, I'm, I'm upgrading you, Doc, to father. Of course, you are a father, of course. Yes, I've got four children, and uh, I do go to St. Almost like the father, exactly, right? Exactly. Why don't we start with you, Dr. Krista Cock. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I know you've been on uh, uh, Real Presence Live several times already. Right. So uh, my name's uh, Christopher D. Cock. I'm married and have, like I said, four kids, attend St. Anthony's. I'm a practicing uh, pediatric neurologist and epileptologist at Essentia Health. And today, the reason why I'm here and why we've been talking on the air, you know, for the fast, past few months is I'm the co-chair of the Ethics Committee uh, for the West Market of Essentia Health. So that includes the Fargo Essentia here, as well as Detroit Lake St. Mary's. Um, hospital, which is also an essential thing. And and, uh, of course, I always have to, in all fairness, say that my opinions may or may not respect, you know, represent those of my employer. So very much, very good. We also have in the studio Father Dale Kinsler. Father Kinsler, introduce yourself to our listeners. 
Yes, and uh, I would uh, start by saying that uh, Bishop Justin Driscoll, who ordained me back in 1974, uh, was aware of my uh, master's in moral theology uh, through St. Paul's Seminary. And uh, in 1982, when what was then the John the Twenty-Third uh, Medical uh, Educational Research uh, Center uh, had us uh, attend uh, their workshop on, uh, well, the two books that I have uh, here today with me, uh, Critical Life Issues and Critical Sexual Issues, and uh, we were uh, then to be able to share these uh, items with the Diocese of Fargo, and uh, Bishop Aquila <coughs> uh, later uh, named me as the healthcare liaison from about uh, 2002 on, and so we've been in that role for some uh, 22 years and uh, being available to be consulted on uh, questions from our various pastors or uh, any lay members of the diocese on particular issues in uh, care, perhaps for their uh, dying uh, relative or what sorts of uh, treatment might be appropriate after a stroke or uh, <coughs> serious uh, uh, critical injuries and that sort of thing. Uh, so we've served in that capacity for some of the educational and also then as liaison to our Catholic uh, facilities that the uh, SMP system or the CHI might also have. Uh, I'm phasing out as I soon retire, and so uh, patiently waiting for the bishop to name a successor for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Father. Well, gentlemen, um, maybe we'll just start with the basics. Uh, the Catholic view of health care. Um, the church's view, what constitutes healthcare? Maybe we'll start with you, uh, Doc. Sure. Peacock. So, um, as I've said in previous programs, you know, we have to think of what the goal of medicine is in order to understand what good healthcare is. And of course, the purpose of medicine is healing. And as Leon Cass said, the purpose of medicine is healing. It's not happiness. You're not necessarily going to be happy. It's not death prevention because you can't invariably put off death. And, isn't, and it isn't behavior modification as much as my physician would like me to modify my behavior and lose weight. Um, that's not what health care is. Health care is based on healing. And I think, you know, medically... Uh, this idea was put forth very well by Dr. Edward Livingston Trudeau, who was the founder of a tuberculosis uh, sanitarium in the 1880s, who was also suffering from tuberculosis. And he stated that in medicine, we are to cure sometimes, to relieve often, and to comfort always. And I think that really you know, sums up sort of what we should be thinking about when we think about what healthcare is. Now, of course, there's much, much more to it than that. So, for example, I gave a talk in 2021 to the Catholic Health Ethics Association at NDSU, and as you'll see when we discuss the ethical and religious directives, the core of healthcare has to be the intrinsic human dignity of every single member of the human species. And then after that comes the dignity of those in the practice of medicine, both the patients and 
the practitioners. So we and we're given wonderful examples through the Christ medicus and the Christ patients, right? Um, we have examples in Christ, and from those two flow sort of everything else that comes off in healthcare. So. Mm-hmm. Very good. And of course, we, we need to make, make sure we understand some maybe common misperceptions is that the Catholic view of healthcare is to save a life at every at all costs. It's like, well, no, there comes a time to die. But we need to make sure that, as you mentioned, that person is treated with the ultimate dignity. So we never kill anyone. We never assist in killing. We always, as you said, try to care, try to comfort. But there comes a time when God calls us home. And, and we need to make sure that we say, Father, what, what are some of your basic thoughts on this? Well, uh, certainly... <clears throat> uh, in that regard, I recall uh, part of that initial conversation in the uh, <clears throat> John the Twenty Third Center, which is now the National Catholic Bioethics Center, uh, presenting on that uh, very issue of care for the dying person. That we avoid the two extremes: the rock and the hard place. Uh, that of vitalism, which would be that uh, if it can be done, it must be done, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And we certainly recognize that. Uh, allowing the natural dying process to occur is uh, part of a responsible health care and uh, certainly uh, the, the dignity of the dying person. Um, the other extreme, of course, would be that, uh, well, what we've seen in now the assisted suicide movement, uh, which unfortunately has uh, gained legal approval in several states. Right, right. The human being has unlimited dignity, but we have limited control of freedom. We, we do not determine the time when we die and how we die. Well, and the real problem that we see with secular health care and health care in general is this overemphasis at, upon autonomy. Mm-hmm. So I had mentioned that I had sort of given a talk with a hierarchy. Well, of course, at the top was intrinsic human, day, human dignity, right? And then after that was you know, individual dignity. And then next to that is the the covenant, you know, between two persons, right? This is a moral event that is occurring between the patient and the practitioner, and that must be based on on trust. And, And if for no other reason, you know, health, you know, people in healthcare cannot be killers. They have to be healers because how on earth are you going to trust someone who has a license to kill you you know we've seen that studies out of Netherlands that you have a lot of burnout you have a lot of cynicism you have health care being degraded because of the presence of something like euthanasia i would argue it also occurs with abortion in this country and other things as well but autonomy is the lowest good. And if you actually look at the Hippocratic Oath, autonomy didn't even exist. Autonomy is a fairly new concept. And then the other thing about autonomy that people always confuse is they're like, well, I have the right to say what happens. Well, no, you don't. Actually, autonomy is a negative right. You have the right to consent for something to be done to you, but you do not have the right to dictate treatment, nor in the idea of the transgender movement, do you have the right to decide what reality is. Unfortunately, reality exists, and our autonomous choices will ultimately result in some consequence and autonomy doesn't mean you get to ignore those consequences. Autonomy means that you're going to pay 
those consequences, ultimately. We're talking with uh, Dr. Chris Decock and Father Dale Kinsler about uh, Catholic health care. Just quickly a comment on the Hippocratic Oath. Isn't the first part say, do no harm? Isn't that kind of the first thing of the traditional right, Hippocratic yes. Oath? Yeah, it's, it's do no harm, right? And that comes into the idea where we talk about ordinary and extraordinary means right. or proportionate or disproportionate, you know, futile care and stuff like that. And we talked about this at length with our our last uh, interview, so look at look that up online if you're curious. Um, but of course, not only is there do harm, it's beneficence. You know, why do we go into medicine? I mean, that is primary. You know, we go in as a Christ-like example, as the Good Samaritan, to help people. Right? That is in line with the goal of medicine. So I would say that beneficence, you know, doing good, comes before doing no harm. Right. But of course, we also have to look at it in the world of justice as well. And there's quite a misunderstanding about what justice actually is, which we'll talk about later when we talk about, you know, care for the poor. Exactly. You know, luckily we're not left just to all on our own on this, Father. The, the Catholic bishops had developed something we call the urge, the ethical or religious yes. directors. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, what they are? And, and how well, uh, what is the ethical and religious directives for Catholic health care services, and is now in its sixth edition. Mm -hmm. uh, doctor has the sixth copy there. I, yep. I had brought along the fifth, but uh, these have uh, been revised over the years, but <clears throat> they wanted to establish uh, for those uh, health care practitioners who are in Catholic facilities, uh, but also for Catholic members who are receiving such health care services, an awareness of what are some of those fundamental principles on which we operate. And uh, just opening up to uh, part one, speaking of the social responsibility of Catholic health care, and then the spiritual responsibility as well. So to look at that uh, whole person and our ministry to the person, not only physically, but also spiritually, uh, to address those kind of concerns, uh, to assist the patient uh, in their journey through this life and on into the next. And uh, so those guiding principles uh, certainly in uh, light of the uh, advancing technologies available to us to have some guiding principles uh, which will help us to properly use those technologies or not use them. Right, and always at the service of the human person, right? That, that is the key with our development technology. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue with Father Dale Kinsler and Dr. Chris Decock talking about Catholic health care. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. 
First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hi, my name is Tim Mosier, your host today from the Butler Building, 13th Avenue South in Fargo, talking with Father Dale Kinsler and Dr. Chris Decock. I called you just doctor this time, even though you are, of course, a father of four, but we're talking about Catholic health care, and we specifically, when we left off, we were talking about the ethical and religious directives put forth by the Catholic bishops. Do you have any comments on, on those, doctor? Sure. Um, obviously, the ethical and religious directives are a wonderful resource, but to, to backpedal a little bit, I think they also show us what Catholic health care should look like, and if I may, I'm going to quote out of the general introduction uh, it states that the mystery of Christ cast a light, casts a light on every facet of Catholic health care to see Christian love as the animating principle of health care, to see healing and compassion as a continuation of Christ's mission, to see suffering as a participation in the redemptive power of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, and to see death transformed by the resurrection as an opportunity for a final act of communion with Christ. Mm. And the reason I wanted to bring this up specifically is that ties in very well with what you know, the goal of medicine is and what, you know, Dr. Trudeau said about curing, caring, and providing relief for patients because sometimes medicine has limits and we can't do everything. That's right. We are mortal beings, that's for sure. Well, let's move on a little bit so we kind of understand what the urge are a little bit, but let's talk about now practical application. How do we clergy, laity, medical personnel, how do we ensure that the church's directives are followed in healthcare. Father, you want to start off with us, that one? Well, that would be part of the responsibility of a healthcare liaison, which I uh, began with great gusto in 2002 to visit each of those facilities, which we uh, had uh, under uh, Catholic auspice at that time, uh, which includes several nursing homes and uh, uh, two or three hospitals uh, within our diocese. 
and uh, to visit and uh, converse with the administrators there uh, in terms of do we have an ethics committee and uh, are we aware of the ethical religious directives and uh, we uh, did uh, a few workshops on those directives uh, to see that uh, they're at least aware of and then uh, to be able to dialogue on any particular problems they were having in uh, the exercise of those uh, directives in their facilities. Of course, Dr. Decock, you're kind of on the front lines of this. Mm -hmm. Tell us your thoughts about this topic. Well, um, interestingly enough, at uh, St. Mary's in Detroit Lakes, we are undergoing currently a review of the ethical and religious directives. Ah. I think we got through the first three parts. Okay. So uh, it's important to understand sort of where the hospital is in relation to the ethical and religious directives. So, for example, St. Mary's Hospital in Detroit Lakes is a Catholic hospital. Mm -hmm. And as a Catholic hospital, they are bound by the ethical and religious directives. Now, Essentia Health here in Fargo is Catholic-affiliated mm -hmm. because the sponsorship organization is the Sisters of St. Scholastica, right? Mm -hmm. So the sponsorship is Catholic, but it is a secular hospital. And so technically they do not have to follow all of the ethical and religious directives, but of course there are things that may not be done, as you can see in part six, where they talk about scandal. So of course an abortion will never occur at Essentia in Fargo, or euthanasia will not occur, but is contraception prescribed? Absolutely, right? And then you have non-Catholic affiliated, or I mean non-Catholic hospitals with no affiliation, right. with no Catholic affiliation like Sanford. Mm -hmm. And they are not bound by the ERDs in any way, shape, or form. You know, they basically follow secular, you know, mainstream bioethics. And so, you know, if you want a gender transition, if you're going to pick a hospital, now I don't know that Sanford does that, but they would be the most likely one to do it. Now, I was on the ethics committee over at Sanford. As far as I'm aware, they do not do abortions there. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I would imagine it's more political than the fact that they feel any, you know, moral reason not mm -hmm. to do it, right. you know. And so, so it's important to realize that not all hospitals are equal and not all hospitals have to follow these ethical and religious directives. Now, the nice part is, you know, even at the secular hospital, they're aware that they exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I like that distinction between a Catholic hospital Catholic-affiliated hospital, and then no affiliation at all. That that I didn't know that before. I mean, I, I didn't know those three. That's a very good distinction. You know, you, you talked about political. They're just, you know, the what's going on there. Talk about a little bit, Father Kinsler, about how does the church influence? Do they influence healthcare policy in the local and, and national level? I mean, do, do, do they try to influence that so that the urge are followed at all levels? Well, there would be communication from our Catholic bishops, uh, both Bishop Kagan and uh, Bishop Fulda, through the <coughs> Catholic Conference, uh, the North Dakota Catholic Conference, 
and uh, they have uh, addressed the various issues uh, throughout the course of these years. Of Very course, well, particularly too, on such things as Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue, but uh, these other uh, things as uh, time uh, comes along, uh, even to some of the most recent uh, things on the transgender uh, concerns, our bishops will address that and uh, particularly work through our North Dakota Catholic Conference uh, to address those items. Mm-hmm. Dr. DeCock? So, like Father Kinsler said, there are things that, you know, there's no ERD on, right? Like, there's no ERD on the transgender mm-hmm. issues. And, and I know they're working on the seventh edition of the ERDs at this time. So it's in the works. Things are coming. But, you know, sort of the boots on the ground, you know, to come back to that question of, you know, how do people ensure that the ethical and religious directives are occurring? I think it's important to realize that you don't just have to be in healthcare to do that, right? So, as a patient, if you're seeing that something is not right, then you should be reaching out to the ethics committee. You should be reaching out to the sponsor organization or something like that if you're seeing a violation of the ethical and religious directives. In fact, recently I received a call from a sister in charge of um, bioethics at a a Midwest uh, Catholic um, health facility where she found out they were doing this procedure called normothermic regional perfusion. And we've talked about this previously, um, and it is a highly unethical procedure, but there hasn't been any actual official statement from the magisterium. And she ended up reaching out to me because I did a podcast with the National Catholic Bioethics Center on this issue. And she was able to take this back and say, well, okay, let's look at the data here. And then she brought it to the sponsorship organization and said, look, we can't be doing this. We're a Catholic you know, facility. This violates this ERD, this ERD, this ERD. And now it's not happening. So don't just think that this passively happens. You have to take an active role as a healthcare worker, you know, as a chaplain who comes into the hospital as a healthcare liaison, even as a patient, in order to make sure that these occur. Because the culture of death is interesting, you know. There are definitely unethical things that can't happen in Catholic facilities, and people are always trying to skirt the issues or trying to find a way around, and so we have to be vigilant and to be aware to make sure that these ethical and religious directives are applied when they should be applied. So I would also mention here, if I may intervene, mm-hmm. sure, uh, that uh, uh, well, the Diocese of Fargo and I, the Diocese of Bismarck also do have a Respect Life office. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the earlier years, uh, Rochelle Savageau, uh uh, who also attended with me uh, the certification in Catholic bioethics, uh, certainly as an educational and, uh, um, well, informational uh, arm for all of our members of the, our diocese. And, uh, of course, Rochelle, who uh, moved on, uh, is now replaced by none other than Tim Moser. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right, and, and I, I am the, the Respect Life Director. And just to add on to that, I, too, have taken the National Catholic Bioethics ethics certification it's great and just another practical thing i go out and i do talks at parishes all the time about uh life and love issues and getting back to a comment you made first boy i said what's the one big thing right it's the dignity of the human person and that's where it starts if we understand that well 
then a lot of these things, the church, oh, that just makes sense, right? And so we mm-hmm. just need to understand that that really well. Uh, maybe a little bit before the break, gentlemen, we, man, we're, we're going to be extending across the break, too, with Father and Doctor. But let's just touch on maybe the poor, because, you know, they don't have a lot of voice, they don't have a lot of say. How does, what does the Catholic Church say about providing, uh, providing health care for the poor? Well, it's pretty clear in the ERDs that we do have an obligation to the poor. Mm-hmm. Okay, It says specifically in Section 1 of the ERDs, First, Catholic health care ministry is rooted in a commitment to promote and defend human dignity. Right? We had just yes. talked about mm-hmm. that. This is the foundation of its concern to respect the sacredness of every life, human life from the moment of conception until death. The first right of the human person, the right to life, entails a right to the means for the proper development of life, such as adequate health care. So I I think they're not beating around the bush. Um, If you look, so that was their first point. Their second point was we have to care for the poor, then the common good, then stewardship. And if you look at how this relates to justice, because I had promised that we'd come back to that, because... You know, we live in a world where we have this misunderstanding that justice is merely fairness. So John Rawls is known for his Rawlsian justice, and secular bioethics loves justice as fairness. But it's not equality, nor is it equity. Justice is rooted in intrinsic human dignity. And from that flows respect for life. And from that flows family and community participation, rights and duties, common for the common good, option for the poor, work and workers, solidarity and stewardship. And as the Catechism of the Catholic Church clearly states, you know, we cannot sacrifice a higher good like intrinsic human dignity for care for the poor or for the common good or for all of these things. And so even though we do have, you know, the obligation to care for the poor, it would never be at the expense of anyone's intrinsic human dignity. Yeah. We talked with Dr. Chris Decock and Father Dale Kinsler about Catholic health care. Boy, lots of great things we're talking about. Uh, health care is a right. How we deliver it is another question, of course, but always the dignity of the human person. When we come back after the break, we will continue listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Many times every day in our office, I see children whose eyes don't work the way we take for granted. If the eyes aren't working together as a team, aren't jumping back and forth appropriately, or aren't focusing correctly, children will fall behind in academic and athletic performance. Lumen Vision specializes in treating these eye movement issues through a process called vision therapy. You can learn more about vision therapy on our website, www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. As Catholic people, we recognize our lives are gifts from God. 
Blessings received are a result of God's grace and goodness. Our Lord entrusts us to be good stewards of his many gifts. We are called to conduct lives that honor him and bear witness to our faith in Jesus Christ. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. As we begin a new year, let's reflect a moment on stewardship. Your life should provide an example to others in the way you live your faith, the way you manage your possessions, and the way you plan your estate and personal affairs. You have spent a lifetime acquiring your assets and living your faith. Fortunately, we can provide you with an estate planning guide that allows you to put all of your important information in one place and enable you to document your intentions. To request an estate planning guide, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Mosier, your host, talking with Dr. Chris Decock and Father Dale Kinsel about Catholic health care. Gentlemen, maybe we'll go to this. What are some bright spots, you know, of healthcare, and maybe what are some challenges and concerns in healthcare right now? Doctor, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, I think the bright spot, you know, can't be understand uh, understated. We should really be proud of Catholic healthcare and how, you know, people go to Catholic healthcare not because it has the latest and greatest, and chances are it probably doesn't, right? They go to healthcare because they're treated like a person, mm-hmm. right? Their intrinsic human dignity is upheld. They are in an area where they can trust, you know, the practitioner they're working with to do good by them because guess what? That practitioner is bound by ethical and religious directives, even if they don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that, you know, historically, you know, Healthcare exists in this country because of the Catholic Church. I mean, we've got schools, we've got orphanages, we've got health care. And I think that we can't, you know, understate what a wonderful legacy that Catholic health care has in the care for the most vulnerable. And, and so I think that is what draws a lot of people to choose Catholic health care mm-hmm. over other health care. Mm-hmm. Father, what do you think are some bright spots? I would uh, simply say here uh, as uh, an invitation and an encouragement uh, to each of our listeners who may yourself uh, be in a position of being a patient in the hospital uh, or uh, any of our uh, pastors listening also to be aware of your responsibility and duty to those uh, Catholic patients and 
Um, I have, of course, experienced uh, both sides of this. I was a patient uh, after a mm. quite serious yeah. auto accident here two years ago, and I was in the uh, rehab hospital uh, actually here in Fargo, and I would say treated with great dignity by the staff, and I really appreciated the care, but most of all, uh, a visit, of course, from our our bishop, mm-hmm. since I was one of his priests, you know, uh, attending to his uh, care for uh, each of us, uh, members of the fraternity of the priesthood. But uh, our uh, reception of the anointing of the sick, uh, Father Phil Ackerman was there, right, Johnny, on the spot uh, mm-hmm. after I was air-flighted uh, into Sanford for my emergency surgeries. And uh, so that, uh, that uh, ministry of the sacrament, certainly uh, Eucharist uh, for the uh, patient who's able so to receive, and certainly the anointing of the sick as we're preparing for uh, surgeries and uh, follow-up care of any uh, serious kind uh, before heart surgeries or any of those uh, uh, kind of uh, cares which uh, may place our life at risk. And so uh, I, too, was uh, just uh, recently Sunday visiting and giving Eucharist to our uh, Cooperstown Medical Center, a nursing home uh, residence, and uh, to one of my members who had uh, fallen uh, subsequent to a stroke. And uh, uh, she uh, appreciated the visit, said, you made my day. <laughs> so I think that is uh, the great privilege of the sacramental ministry to our uh, Catholic uh, facility residents and uh, any of our uh, hospital facilities and nursing care facilities. That, that's such a good point, Father, because we look at the complete person. We are body and soul, body and spirit, and you just hit the nail on the head. We minister to the total person, and that's wonderful, sacramental. That's great. Well, gentlemen, I suppose there are a few challenges. Why don't we lay a few of them out, Doctor? <laughs> well, I would say a few is an understatement. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I mean, I only I, I came up with a short laundry list. Okay. So we've got the transgender movement. We've got loosening criteria for death. We've got IVF, which destroys babies. We've mm-hmm. got surrogacy, which objectifies people. We have abortion. We have, you know, human-animal chimeras that they're experimenting on human beings. And, I mean, we've even got the secular world telling us that fluid and nutrition is a medical treatment and can be foregone, and now we can starve people to death. I mean, health care is under constant attack. And, in fact, the HHS just stripped conscience rights yet again, and they're telling practitioners, look, you either do what we say or you're out. So if I may quote um, Ezekiel Emanuel, Um, recently wrote an article probably within the last 10 years that goes like this. Healthcare professionals are not conscripts, and in a freely chosen profession, conscience objection cannot override patient care. Objection to providing patients interventions that are at the core of medical practice, interventions that the profession deems to be effective, ethical, and standard treatments is unjustifiable. Although abortion is politically and culturally contested, it is not medically controversial. It is a standard obstetrical procedure. Healthcare professionals who are unwilling to accept these limits have two choices. Select an area of medicine, such as radiology, that will not put them in situations that conflict with their personal morality, or if there is no such area, leave the profession. So that's what we're being invited to do. We are invited to toe the line or leave. Mm. Because secular bioethics has 
no place for objective reality. They have no place for truth. They have no place for intrinsic human dignity. You know, they want to use patients for what they can get out of them, and they don't want people bucking the system. Every area of healthcare is under attack. And I think that if we sit on our laurels and realize that we are not at a war with this culture of death, we will lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Father, what are your thoughts, some of our challenges in, in healthcare today? Well, uh, it's like um, sort of a moving the goalpost sort of situation because uh, initially, some uh, two or three decades ago, we were dealing with the uh, in vitro fertilization and uh, embryonic stem cells and the cloning of embryonic stem cells and uh, what uh, vaccines are being developed from those and can we use uh, those in, in our uh, uh, vaccines for COVID? And uh, now we have, of course, the increasing uh, pressure for transgender surgeries. And Father Tad Pekolchik, who addressed us uh, clergy some three years ago on that, who will be at the NDSU right. uh, Memorial Union uh, tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow addressing night. the very same thing for anyone who would wish to attend. So. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. And, and, you know, this brings up, uh, I'm just going to briefly touch on this. We don't have time to go into it, but you talked about this, you know, a moral act. You know, there's the act, there's the intention, there's the circumstances. And so all these have to be looked at, right? We never do something that's inherently immoral, right? And then there's degrees of cooperation, formal, you know, um, material, all these kind of things. Right? So the Catholic Church has it all planned out. And, of course, I'm, I'm sure that you guys can talk about that more later on a, on a future show. But just rest assured, they have done a lot of work at this. What are some resources, Doctor, that maybe people can go to or things that can help them to sort all this out? So, uh, in the past, the Catholic Health Association used to be a really good resource. And they're still good for some things, but unfortunately, they've lost their moral compass a little bit. Uh, I think the celebration of Pride Month was very disappointing to a lot of um, Catholic health care facilities that are members of the CHA. Um, obviously, we're going to say the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, we all got certifications right. from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, they provide free consultation. Um, of course, there's the, eth the ethical and religious directives right. too, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to be completely fair, you know, when we're looking for resources, sometimes it's just as easy as talking to your parish priest, mm -hmm. you know, because all parish priests, you know, understand this to some degree. I have yet to talk to a priest that doesn't realize the stuff that's going on. And if they don't know the answers, oftentimes they can, you know, send you in the right direction. And so there are many good resources out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can be consulted, uh, but I am still a student of bioethics, not an expert. So I will check with Father Tad <laughs> and say, you know, we'll look that up for you. Uh, one can get an individual membership on the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And uh, this morning I went uh, to my account and uh, Father Dale Kinsler's subscription had expired. But Mr. Dale Kinsler had renewed. So <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, mine, mine, try to mine have expired one, as well. I'll try too. to have one subscription, but not two. <laughs> Anyone may subscribe. Just go to ncbc.org. And, and, of course, if you're unfamiliar with that, Father Tad writes usually a monthly article. Others write, too, that they have it sorted by topics as well. I mean, it's a very, very wonderful place to go. You know, this just popped into my head, and I know it might be worth mentioning, um, Having a healthcare proxy, you know, you, you can write these end-of-life directives, but 
Now, my understanding, Doc, you know much better than I do. I have heard that they can be a little difficult because you can't spell everything out. Having a good healthcare proxy, I've heard that someone that can say, here's what we do, is maybe a better route. Can you just address Absolutely. that for a minute? Talk yeah, about no, that I will. So, um, an advanced directive is great if you've pissed off all your loved ones. Okay. okay? <laughs> yeah. um, but it is a stupid document uh, that, stupid by the fact that it it's you know, based on leading questions, mm -hmm. which can be wiggled around and can be interpreted one way or the other. Mm -hmm. um, really what you need to do is you need to be talking with your loved ones yeah. about your goals of care, and you need to make sure that you have someone who's living and breathing who will honor your Catholic faith, right. and even if they don't agree with it, and make sure that yeah. you receive the care that is ethical. And the, uh, the North Dakota Catholic Conference does have, and you can access it online, an advanced directive which uh, has those uh, five fundamental Catholic principles uh, stated right there, and you can sign off on that with get your two uh, uh, healthcare DPAs proxies. And yes, so exactly, forth. exactly. And, and, and we also have that on, on the website at, at, at the diocese. And that's so important because you think, Oh, okay, you know, I can, like the doctor said, you can write this document. Well, it can't do every situation, and they can wiggle around it. Having someone making, here's the situation right now. I did it for my mother. I did it for my sister. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. You know, I mean, obviously, we had to know. And it wasn't always easy, but, okay, this is the right thing to do. This is their dignity. This is the way to yeah. do it. So, And it's good to engage your priest uh, yeah. uh, if uh, there is a question of absolutely, that sort. Absolutely, absolutely. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? Again... We are at war with a culture of death. And upholding the intrinsic human dignity of the patients isn't going to win us any friends. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think about my rule of life, um, which is uh, the last words that uh, Boromir told Aragorn the king in, in the Fellowship of the Ring, from the Lord of the Rings. And he said, I would have followed you to the end, my brother, my captain, and my king. And of course, we know what Tolkien was talking about. We were talking about Christ. And so we need to be willing to carry that cross. We need to be willing to be martyred socially, economically, even physically, in order to stand up for the truth. And we just have to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Father, could you end us with a short blessing, please? All right. And uh, to all uh, present uh, through these airwaves, may the Lord bless and keep you. The Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you kindly, give you life, health, and body and spirit, and give you peace in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Dale Kinsler, Dr. Chris Decock, thank you so much. When we come back, there's a blood drive going on, and we will tell you about it. You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be back right after this.